Good evening. Once again, good to see you out tonight. We're glad that you're here with us. Hugh, I like that because he lives. We don't sing that one as often as uh, it seems like we used to. But there's a verse in that song. Now, I'm going to just tell you. I have these little moments that I remember and that I never forget. Uh, I remember singing Ferris Lord Jesus in this building one time in the morning. I remember the sun peeking out through the windows. And it just, it was a moment that I never forgot. And I had another one of those moments tonight. But as we were singing the song, Because He Lives, there's a verse in that song that speaks of how sweet it is to hold a newborn baby. To feel the pride and the joy that He gives. Now as we were singing that verse, I just couldn't help but glance over at Ethan and Wyatt over there. And Ethan had a big old smile. It may have been for a different reason. But just to, to see Wyatt and just to, I, and to hear him during that, that verse, it was a moment. And I thought I would share it with you. But anyway, our lesson for tonight concludes our series, Why Did My Savior Heaven Leave? And tonight's lesson is entitled, His Poverty for Our Wealth. Whenever we look at Jesus and whenever we look at the reason that He left heaven, the reason that He came to earth, one of the reasons was to provide us with riches that we can only imagine. Riches that sometimes we don't understand. But we see that He came and He took on something so that we could have those riches. He took on poverty on our behalf. Think of all the things that Jesus gave up in leaving heaven in the first place. He left His home. That's a difficult thing to do. You know, I think of whenever I left home and I was kind of nervous about, well, can I provide for myself? Can, can I take care of myself? But I did, did alright, I think. But He had to leave His home. He left heaven. For us. He left the presence of his Father, God. He gave up his royalty and dominion over everything in existence to come to this earth. He gave up basically everything that would mean so much to us. And in coming to earth, Jesus did gain something. Although it's not the things that we would normally think of as gain. He came into a humble family. Which is by all means the opposite of royalty. He came into poverty. He experienced pain, sorrow, and suffering. And we have to ask the question... Why? Why would He do this? Why would He do any of the things that He did? Such a lowly creature as myself. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor 
that you through His poverty might become rich. What does it mean to the Christian that Jesus came into poverty so that we might become rich? And certainly it's not the physical wealth that we're looking for. It's not a, a big mansion on this earth. It's not a fancy car. It's not any of those things that matter to so many people today. You know, so many people, they, they look for physical wealth so that they might have bragging rights or something like that. That's not the richness that we gain as Christians. That's not what we're looking at. So what does it mean that we as Christians should become rich? There are two basic types of wealth that I want to look at tonight. Though we're not looking at physical wealth, I do want us to look at the riches of our earthly existence. And then we're going to look at the riches of our eternal existence should we remain faithful. But first of all, the riches of our earthly existence. How do Christians become rich? Everyone wants to be rich, right? How do Christians become rich? So that's what it said in Romans chapter 10. If you will turn there, we're going to look at several verses here in Romans chapter 10. But in Romans chapter 10 and verse 12 it says this. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. This is said in regard to salvation. Look at verse 1 of Romans 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the theme of this chapter. Salvation. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him in regard to salvation. But how are we saved? We read in verses 16 and 17 that not all have obeyed. Verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord who has believed our report. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Those who obey the gospel 
are saved. Those who obey the gospel in faith, repentance, confession, and baptism will become rich. Though not in the ways that the world looks at riches, we do become rich. You see, we are rich in mercy and grace. We are rich in redemption. We are rich in salvation. We are rich in Christ. Though once dead, we have been made to live. And that's one of the riches that we enjoy as Christians. There's so many people that walk around and, and even though they live and breathe just like we do their spiritual condition is dead in Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10 Ephesians 2 beginning with verse 1 it says this and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised, up, raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Though we were once dead in our sins, we have been made alive in Christ. We have been saved. We are saved through faith, not by works of merit. There's nothing that I could do to earn salvation. I am saved through faith. And there are works that we do, though they're not works of merit. They're works of obedience. We are a new being in Christ. Dedicated to the good works prepared for His faithful. 
There are good things that we can do throughout this life. There are things that we do in service to God. We talked a lot about those this morning in our Bible class. We do good works. But no matter how many good works we do, none of those will help us to earn salvation. It is a gift from God. Those who teach faith-only salvation neglect the works of obedience in regard to salvation. They're very important. This passage has been taken out of context on a lot of occasions. But certainly we see that God's grace is a gift. By faith we obey. It is by faith that we are saved in that regard. But we have been made to live. That's one of the great riches that God provides for His children. And there are riches of faith that we read about in Scripture as well. In James chapter 2 and verse 5, it says this. James 2 verse 5. Listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? And the heirs of the kingdom which He promised to those who love Him. God has chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith. Through faith, we are sons of God. And because we are His children, we have become heirs to His kingdom. As His children, we are qualified to receive the inheritance. I think we looked at that last week. What a blessing it is to be called a child of God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3 is part of the Beatitudes that Jesus presents in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor, the lowly, the downtrodden in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of the present which is His church. We are a part of His church as part of, of the riches that He gives us. Ours will be the kingdom of the future as well. Those of His church will be in heaven if we remain faithful. If we do those things to please God, one day we will be in heaven with Him because we are His children. Because we are heirs of the kingdom. That leads us into our next point. The riches of eternity are provided for the faithful. But what are the riches of eternity exactly? What do we know about eternity? And I'll be honest with you, the more I study 
what our eternal existence will be like in heaven? More questions I have, it seems. But what we do understand is that heaven is a beautiful place. Heaven is a wonderful place of great riches. Heaven is a city of great value. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. Let's look at verses 14 through 21. Revelation 21 and verse 14. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations. And on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed. Twelve thousand furlong. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall. One hundred and forty-four cubits. According to the measure of a man. That is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper. And the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardine, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysopris, the eleventh jason, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. What do we understand from these verses? There's a lot about construction that I don't understand. There's a lot about jewels and precious stones and things of that nature that I don't understand. But what I do understand is that all of these things are precious. All of these things are considered in our world today as riches. All of these things are of great value. I don't believe the descriptions of Revelation to be literal in meaning. But I do believe them to tell us that heaven is of great value to us. It's something that we don't want to miss. It's something that's very precious. And it's given to us by God. And so as we look at the riches of eternity, we see that heaven, heaven itself, is part of the riches that we are given at the end of this life. 
Heaven is prepared for the faithful. Look at John chapter 14 verses 1 through 3 and look at what Jesus has to say there. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Above and beyond anything else that we are given as a description of heaven, I think the greatest of these things is said here right in John chapter 14. In Jesus' very own words that where I am there you may be also. The greatest of the riches that we are given in heaven is to be in the presence of God to be in the presence of His Son the one who, who went back to prepare it for us. It's not just something that is, is there for us. It's something that is being prepared. I think that means a great deal. It's being prepared for our arrival. And it's going to be more wonderful than anything else that we could ever imagine. I used to think of heaven in terms of worldliness. In terms of the, the great things of this world, the things that I might enjoy most. And that's where I would be. I, I used to think of a, a mansion that was made of Reese's. Because I love Reese's. I thought, mm, wouldn't that be neat to live in a mansion made of, of Reese's? I was much younger than I am now. And I think we have a tendency to look at heaven in terms of, of worldly riches. You know, the greatest of the things that we could think of to enjoy in this world. I believe heaven is going to be far above anything that we could ever experience or imagine. I, I believe it's beyond our comprehension. I, I believe it's, it's something too great for us to understand. But what I understand is that I want to be there. If for no other reason, to be in the presence of God. Now, we're told that, that heaven is a prepared place. We've, we've heard the saying, probably, that, that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. I believe that. We are told to prepare ourselves to reach it. Matthew chapter 6, another portion of the Sermon on the Mount, in verses 19 through 21. Matthew 6, verse 19. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth. It doesn't matter how big your house is or, or how fancy a car you have. It, it doesn't matter how much jewelry you have or any of those things that we consider of value in this world. It doesn't matter how much money you have. None of those things matters in eternity. You ever seen a U-Haul behind the hearse? I, I haven't. I think it's probably been done for last, maybe. But we cannot take any of the things that we gain in this world with us when we leave this life. Don't lay up for yourself treasures here. Don't let the things of this world be of more value than God or of more value than serving Him of more value than, than a, the eternity that awaits you. Don't let any of those things get in the way of serving God. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why? Because the things in heaven will never be destroyed. They will never be stolen. They will never have anything done to them. They are there permanently. And Jesus says that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Is your heart destined for heaven? Do you have your heart set on a heavenly reward? We must prepare ourselves for that reward. I want us to notice one of the churches that was written to in the book of Revelation, the church of Smyrna. In Revelation chapter 2, and beginning with verse 8, and reading through verse 10, we read of the church of Smyrna. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life, I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death. And I will give you the crown of life. The church of Smyrna faced different obstacles, but from what we read here, they were remaining faithful. They were doing everything that they needed to do. And it says here, I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. How are they rich if they are in poverty? How does that make any sense? They weren't rich according to the world. But they were rich in the eyes of God. 
They were rich in the blessings of God. They were going to face many things. But they were told, Be faithful until death. And I will give you the crown of life. They had to prepare themselves for that heavenly reward. They had to remain faithful in order to receive that crown of life. But they were promised that if they remained faithful, the heavenly reward would be there. Looking at them from a worldly standpoint, I'm sure they had nothing to boast of. They had no great wealth that we might seek in this world. But what they had was of greater value than any of us could imagine. Though they were in poverty, they had riches of God. They had salvation. They were remaining faithful. They were encouraged to continue. And they had a heavenly reward that awaited them. Are you rich? I, I don't imagine that any of us are rich in comparison to many others in the world. But if we are Christians, then we are rich. And why? Why are we rich? How do we come by these riches? Because Christ left heaven. Because He came to this earth. Because He lived on this earth. Because He died. Taking on the punishment that we deserve. He was buried. He was resurrected. And because of His victory over death. And over Satan. He provides us the same. We are given the same encouragement that the church of Smyrna was given. Be faithful until death. And you'll receive the crown of life. Is that your reward? Are you rich in God's blessings? Are you a Christian? Have you done those things that you need to do to become a Christian? Those works of obedience that we talked about. Faith, repentance. Confession that Christ is the Son of God. We believe this is so. And, and baptism for the remission of sin. And if you've done those things, have you remained faithful? Are you in Christ tonight? If you were to face judgment, would you face God? Pleasing in His Son. Or would you be lacking the riches that are promised to us as Christians? You're not rich. You can leave here tonight rich. And as always, we offer you the opportunity. If there's anything that we can do to assist you, please come as we stand and sing.